Hey guys, this is Laura. I just wanted to put a trigger warning at the beginning of this episode. We do talk about suicide and infanticide, so please take care of yourselves if those are triggers for you. Hi, hi, Laura. Hey, Ellie. Okay, there's like a stink bug in this room, and we've had like a bunch of them, and whenever they're in here, they always walk around in a circle, like around <laughs> the room. And sometimes they fly, and I'm not a fan of that <laughs> at all. I found an earwig next to my pillow like three nights ago. So I've just been sleeping either with a hat over my ears or earbuds in my ears, not listening to anything. Cause I'm like, fuck no, I'm not getting any bug in my ear. I'm not waiting to die. It's got very powerful thighs. <laughs> it's thigh game is uh, superb. Laura is busy killing a bug right now in her home. I don't know. Hey, look, it's, hey, a, look, butterfly. it's a butterfly. Reading Rainbow. Okay, it just took off, and it's inside our lamp now. Oh my god. So I can't reach it. <laughs> hey, so what are, what are we doing today? <laughs> Um, we are going to talk about The Giver by Lois Lowry. Before we really get into that, like, what's been up with you? Um, we're still in quarantine. So how have you been, have you hopped on? I mean, you already were doing the bread making train, but have you gotten back into bread making as a fad or what have you been doing? No, I haven't actually. And I've actually just not baked at all. And I think it's because, okay, so like for the listeners, I'm like hungry all the time. And when I'm working, I can like eat a lot because I'm like, oh, I'm moving around and I need to snack when I can. But now that I'm like in one place all day, I don't know, I'm like, don't need to eat as much. Um, and I just don't, haven't felt like it. Also, I'm like, part of me is like, I don't want to run out of flour. I don't want there to be a flour shortage and have wasted all my flour on muffins and cookies <laughs> but i did i went into aldi and they had jaffa cakes they're biscuits with chocolate and orange filling in them and they're delicious and the first time i went there was a bunch so i bought two boxes and i was had to restrain myself i really want to get more and then i went two weeks later and there's still a bunch so i bought three because i was like this is obviously not a no hot commodity obviously <laughs> i can buy this without giving uh providing storage for anybody else my roommate just threw me one and it fell on the floor. Are you gonna eat it? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> anyway, how about you? Are you bread making? Are no, you? No, of course I would never bread make. I've been um, I've gotten into looming, so I've been looming a bunch of hats, and that's been fun. Oh, nice. Why don't I have one? Well, because I still have yet to send you things. Like I'm creating a box, so I don't have to just send you multiple things. So your box will include the book that I I decided not to microwave a book, like I said I would on the last episode, because. I was talking to my scientist brother and he was like, well, if it's, if there's any moisture, which is unlikely because I live in Colorado and like it's the driest place on earth. But I was like, just in case there's any moisture, you know, when you put something in a microwave, it like moves the molecules around to create heat and that's how it warms up. Sure. And then I was like, yeah, everybody knows that. Everybody know that. So then I was like, what if the book has moisture in it and then it explodes? So I didn't, but I'll, I'll wipe it down before I send it to you. And then I'll so we're cowards is what... <laughs> no, I just don't want to hurt a book, okay? Jeez. Or my microwave. Mm-hmm. Well, like, and then apparently an, 
Another trend is, is like people doing, you know, drastic haircuts, either dyeing their hair or shaving it or something. And I was like, ooh, what if I shave my head? But my mom was like, I'll cry every time I see you. And I live in this house, so I'll wait at least until I'm out of the house. So I was going to shave my head, but my mom said she would never forgive her me. Oh! <laughs> crowd goes wild. If there was a crowd, but that'd be legal right now. So that was a great segue into the topic of today, which is uh, the book, The Giver. Basically, on this podcast, we read a book that people in school had to read, and we try and decipher why we had to read it. So without further ado, um, I will read you the blurb that Goodreads gives us for The Giver, in case you haven't read it before. I did not practice this beforehand like last time, so maybe it'll be a mess. But this one's much shorter. 12-year-old Jonas lives in a seemingly ideal world. Not until he is given his life assignment as the receiver does he begin to understand the dark secrets behind this fragile community. The end. Flawless. Okay. (laughs) Great. I like this. Also, I like how we've kind of split up things. Like, you find the blurb. I do the summary, usually. Yeah. I mean, and it's like, good because I can read something, but I can't mem- I can't remember anything, so it's really for the best. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, like, so this book was turned into a movie, and I couldn't remember if I'd seen it in, if I'd seen the movie, but the equivalent of Goodreads for movies is IMDb, and I had listed that I watched The Giver in, like, 2017, so I'm all good. I actually did see the movie. Can't say that I really remember it, but whatever. Did you? I also saw the movie... And I didn't like it, and for that reason, it was really hard to read this because I didn't, I didn't have to read this in school. Like I got through without having to, and I saw this, and I was just like, nope, not a good, not a good story. Don't like it. I thought there was a lot of like risks the main character took that didn't make sense, and didn't like there were drones everywhere in the movie, <laughs> and I didn't like the ending. But you'll, as you'll find, the ending in the movie is actually the same as in the book, so it's not the movie's fault. Well, so I never had to read this in school either. But what we did have to read was, we had to read another Lois Lowry book, and so I read Gathering Blue, and I don't remember it at all, but apparently, I'm looking on Goodreads right now, and it says it's the sequel to The Giver? Yeah, there's four books in this series. So I don't know why I didn't (laughs) have to read the first one, but I read the second one, but I think it's like separate stories, and they all, maybe they all take place within the same universe, but they're separate stories, because I don't remember a Jonah. I barely remember this movie, but I thought it was just about like... You know, I don't remember it. I don't know what it was about. I did I did read this actually, um, in my version of the ebook, the author talks about this and Jonas is present in the second book, but he's just not in the foreground at all. It mentions him. And then he is like more of a main character in the third book, and then Gabriel is the main character in the fourth book. Anyways, um let's go let's just dive right into that summary. I will let you talk and then say if I say something if I need to say something, as you know I do. Okay. Jonas, he lives in a community with a capital C where everyone is dedicated to sameness with a capital S. Um, So everybody in the community has the same clothes, routines, ate the same food. They're all nuclear families. And it's all painted as really cheery and positive and safe. But it's really weird. So when he turns 12, that is when uh, this is the age where everybody becomes an adult. 
you know and they find out what their job is for the rest of their life and he finds out he's the receiver with a capital r um and the receiver there's only ever one receiver their job is to hold all of the memories from forever ever before the community existed so that includes things like colors and animals what sunshine feels like but also war and famine and plague and sadness and pain and everything and so for most of the book jonas is coming to terms with that and how ridiculous his life is how isolated he feels um, and he and the, the old receiver, called the giver, uh, was, they had to plan to force the community to remember everything. Because apparently if the receiver dies or just goes really far away, then the, the memories return to everyone. And so they have to live with it. So he does that. He runs away with a baby. He reaches someplace in the middle of nowhere in the middle of winter. And that's the end of the book. <laughs> Boom. Wow. Nice and short and snappy. Boom. Uh, speaking of that, like, find your one career and then like you move on and that's your career for the rest of your life um i was definitely getting b-movie vibes from this what a classic meme have you seen the b-movie no oh the b-movie okay <laughs> i thought you just meant like b-movie like the rating <laughs> yes of course obviously <laughs> obviously so i have it written down i listen to the book as i do and so it gave me like percentages instead of page numbers so this is when I was 53% of the way through. Where is that? I don't know. I don't know. How, like the middle of the book somewhere. It's when I think Jonas is experiencing the jungle or something like that. And he notices that people have different colored skin. And he says like, oh, someone was light and someone was dark. And I just want to say that that's complete bullcrap. Because I was in my fiction class and we did a study of, we looked at a a study of diverse representation in children's books. And it counted, you know, white slash Caucasian, black, Asian, Native American, um, toys and trucks and everything like that. But even if all the characters are animals, those characters are based off of a person and those people have a race. So it's really dumb to be like, oh, here we live in a world where there's no race. And then I finally noticed that there was a race because that's just like a bunch of horse caca. And so I was just a little annoyed when they were just like, oh yeah, and in this book, he, we finally realized that there was a race. Because I'm like, that's false. This entire society is based off of like, you know, white people. It's, I'm not, and that's not bad, but it, to acknowledge it is even better. So I was just a little irked. I was too. But it wasn't even like, I feel like the book was saying, oh, we're not even white. We're just gray. And I'm like, that's not true. You guys are straight up white. I just don't like it when, when people do that. I'm just like, obviously, people have, race and gender and everything exists. As much as we wish that we could write a book that where it doesn't, it, it exists in everything. So we have to remember that. And then the other, like, specific moment was at section, uh, was at the 55% mark. So this is maybe like, this is 2% after I noticed about this flesh, flesh business. <laughs> this is when... He notices red and how, and so I'm wondering how do you, how do you ascribe color to an emotion? Because for me, it's like red is anger, blue is sadness, green is jealousy and disgust, and like pink is love. Um, like what are your, are they the same? Well, so I'm just going to run through Roy G. Biv real quick. Red, I see, I see his love and like passion, not like, you know, good or bad or whatever. And anger, but um, just a lot of like power too. I don't really have an emotion with orange. Maybe, maybe happiness. Yellow, 
cheeriness. <laughs> but also, I also associate yellow with being like sick, just because it reminds me of like bodily humors. <laughs> Green. Yeah, I guess there's envy, but also being sick. But also like positivity, because it's I'm associated with plants and renewal and stuff in spring. Blue and purple, I mean, those can be anything, right? They can be serenity, they can be sadness, they can just be depression. Or I think, yeah, purple and orange for me are hard. I don't really have... They mean nothing to me. Do you think seeing red is like symbolic of something of his progression into being more self-aware? Well, in this one, when he first sees red, he recognizes it as the color of blood. But I also think I remember in the movie that Fiona's hair was red and the apple is also red. So I was just like, what does it all mean? And then I was also thinking about how the cover of this, of The Giver, could have totally been the same cover as Twilight with the hands and the apple. And I was like, oh yeah. man, <laughs> Stephanie Meyer, you, you swindled Lois Lowry. Or maybe yeah. just Lois Lowry wasn't smart enough to, to think of that right. artful uh, book cover design. Yeah, I guess not. So I, I don't have like bookmarks for all of these. So one, okay, they have speakers in these communities. So we have to, we imagine it's kind of like a suburb, right? Where the houses are pretty close together. So there are constant announcements over the speakers and they can hear you through them. Um, and if you mess up and break any rules, like Jonas, he takes an apple home. Like you get shamed publicly, but not directly. They don't mention your name, but everybody knows who it is. Um, oh, I thought this was unnecessary. Um, Jonas's little sister is like, I want to be a birth mother. The birth mothers are the ones who like provide babies for everybody. And their mom is like, that's a very dishonorable job. I thought that was unnecessary. I was like, hey, man, you need babies. Yeah. So uh, who wants to keep the human race going? Not you, obviously. It was also just anti-feminine, anti-woman. I don't really know what the sexist. Yep. Yeah. Also, I kind of wonder, maybe this is just me being nasty. But, like, how does that process go, then? If people don't really love each other, is it just, like, in vitro, so it's all, like, pretty clinical and sterile? I have or to like, assume so. Are these, are these birth mothers the only people who ever experienced love and the pleasure of the female orgasm? Maybe. Pretty joyless. Like, um, there's applying for elsewhere, which in the book is saying elsewhere is everywhere outside the community. People will say, like, when they're frustrated, they're like, I'm going to apply for elsewhere, um, and it's treated, I mean, it's treated seriously in the book, um, but that is a euphemism for suicide, and that was, um, kind of, I don't heavy know, stuff. pretty heavy. Yeah. yeah. Or, like, a high school book. I, I guess when you're at the point of high school, like, you are able to talk about suicide and, like, discuss it, and I'm not criticizing its presence in this book. I thought it was handled pretty well. But it does seem, it just seems, like, very surprising. It's like, and now this book will bring it up upon you, and you're like, oh. Thank you. Um, so I guess we can go into takeaways and judgments. Uh, we'll rate this out of 10. I think for me, it was like a, it was like a six out of 10 because it was a simple and somewhat thought provoking like story to read, mm -hmm. but it wasn't it didn't like challenge me, I, you know, like it wasn't thought provoking, but it had like lots of big ideas to consider. So I mm -hmm. think it, for me, it was like a six and like listening to it was entertaining enough, I guess. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I gave it actually on Goodreads. I gave it like a two out of five stars. So I guess that translates to a four. It was, yeah, it was very like white centric. Um, also very fairly male centric because the main character Jonas is male and so is um his i mean his mentor the other major character in the book so i thought intended takeaways you know sameness obviously isn't the way to go it's not actually better to live that way and we shouldn't live our lives that way and let's see but it's better to be uncomfortable and aware than ignorant and blissful which is true it was just odd i think that like the risk like Jonas had to receive that message, right? Like he had to receive the memories and come to that conclusion on his own. And then the people around him, they didn't get that choice because they can't receive the memories. He had to make that choice for everyone. Um, oh yeah, and like beholding history and like keeping track of everything is everyone's job. Like everybody has responsibility to honor the past and honor the struggles and things we've overcome or things that are going on now. It's too much for, say, one person to bear because there is that storyline with Rosemary. Do you remember that? Yeah where um, she asks to be released, which is, again, a euphemism for, like, suicide. She was going to be the receiver before Jonas. She was, like, a few years older than him. But when she started receiving the memories, she received them in a different order. She received a lot of the bad memories first. And so she it kind of overwhelmed her, and she asked to be released. It's true, yeah, yeah. She It seemed like she got them in a different order. But it was also, like, she was just affected by them differently. I mean, like, that, I think, it goes into the, like, there's some parallel universe where she got the memories in a different order and then by the time she finally got the one that in the original universe that made her quote-unquote break and you know asked to be released in this alternate universe she gets by the time she gets this memory she's fully prepared to take it on and then she like moves on and becomes the acceptable receiver or whatever um even though I didn't have to read this book in high school I feel like I had to read a different book that completed the same purpose of this one because I feel like this book was just teaching you about the power of free will and like it falls under the same thing of like oppressive regimes and like it's a pretty big propaganda for this like American way of thinking of individualism and mm. taking power and our freedom of choice and everything. So I had to read Anthem by Anne Rand, which was also a thing where it's like everyone, no one has a name. We always refer to ourselves as we and never as the singular I and everything. So I think that this one was also trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And in a way, I do think it did a good job in making it apparent that there is inherent risk in the power to choose. And so if we, like there is, it is sort of a dichotomy between like being safe and having free will because like they were saying, it's like, oh, if you get to choose the person you love, then you could choose wrongly, and then all this happens. And, like, that's a very small and, like, narrow example of what they, of what was mentioned in the book about the dangers of free will. But I think it did present a good example of, like, the reason they chose to do the sameness was because they wanted to protect everyone. And then later on we see, but it comes at this cost. So I think it did a good job in pointing that out, at least for me when I was reading it. I, I feel like I noticed that. I think it was a lot for Jonas to decide this is what's better for the whole community. He is still he does have knowledge that none of them do. But I don't know. Like, do you think it was fair of him to make this choice for everyone? I, I think, again, because this book to me seems like propaganda for, you know, celebrating individualism and everything. Like, of course, that's what he was going to do because but it's equivalent to the Matrix. And like, if when Neo has to choose between the red pill and the blue pill and it's like stay asleep and live in ignorance Mm -hmm. or wake up 
but in, instead of Neo choosing it just for himself, he's choosing it for all of society. And so, I don't know. I, I'm not really concerned with did he have a right or anything, because I'm like, if I was one of the townspeople, like, it would just happen to me, and I'd be like, this is fine, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't mean to, like, really go into the ethics of it. I was just, I don't know. It didn't really sit well with me. I felt like the, the book made that gave Jonas, like, he was conflicted about it. Um, and I think, again, it was just pointing out the fact of, like, this is the risk that you assume when you have this kind of power of being able to make your own choices. And yes, I guess it seems, uh, like, a big decision to make for an entire population, but that's also just the way the world is. And so I feel like to not to restrict them from that, which is basically what the government is doing by having them take their morning pills and suppress all these things, that's where it gets really complicated. Because originally this this society formed because they wanted to keep their, their people safe. And then they realized, well, if we have any deviations, if there's any difference, if anyone has any individuality, that puts everyone else at, at risk. So therefore, we must oppress any differences in order to maintain sameness and safety. So that's why I feel like that's why it is super complicated and really difficult to think about because in order to have everyone be safe, that means taking away the freedom of choice and having everyone, everyone has to conform to this. I mean, a big point of the, a big takeaway of the book that I'm not giving credit to is that it's better to be connected and to connect to others than to be alone. Um, and that feeling alone is like really what crushed, like was crushing Jonah, was like crushed Rosemary, I think. Um, having these this pain and these memories and like not being able to tell anybody or share it or like have anybody know what they're talking about so i guess yeah it's yeah it's pretty complicated do you have any unanswered questions i only have one okay what's yours i have a lot <laughs> great okay mine was just it like i think all the adults at a certain age in this community, you know what release is and you know that it means that there's not an outside world because the dad definitely knows about it because he's the one who like performed the act of killing a baby and Rosemary knew what it meant and I like I feel like the I feel like the community knows. At least Jonas's parents did. So I was wondering like how would Jonas have handled this had he not been chosen as the receiver and he was just like uh, quote-unquote normal adult in this society like how do how are these other adults reacting to it learning that oh when we say released we mean there is no other like we don't actually send you out anywhere it was hard to tell for me whether the parents knew or not or the adults knew i think they probably had an idea that it was like that means they're not like when someone's released that means they're not here anymore it means they're never coming back and it means that like we won't see them again but I don't under I don't know if they really understand like oh they're not alive anymore or if like they're like because the you can see like the injections knock them out like I don't know if they understand that like oh they're never gonna wake up again like maybe I find it pretty unlikely that at least Jonas's dad didn't know so he like knocks the baby out sure and he maybe he doesn't know that he's he has just like committed an infant side or whatever but. He then dumps it down a chute, and if you, like, you would- He does put it in a basket. He puts it in a basket, but he dumps it down a chute. So, and I think, like, these people are well enough aware that when you dump something down a chute, it's like- Ugh. I don't know, I just, like, have a feeling that 
at the very least, like Jonas or Jonas's dad knew what he was doing. He might react differently to it because in his mind, he just thinks about it differently. And he's not thinking like, I have just murdered a baby, but instead he's thinking like, I'm doing this for the good of my community, blah, 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 blah. You also can think about this. It's like totally the environment and the society that you live in. Because also, for example, in like World War Two or World War One or whichever one, the one with Japan in it, you had kamikaze pilots, and for them it wasn't like a. To, to us, it seems like brainwashing because they were like, "I'm gonna die for my country," mm-hmm. and like, this is definitely worth it. And to uh, an American society, we're like, "Oh, you've been brainwashed." Oh blah, yeah. Blah. But for them, they're just like, "No, this is the way that we've brought up. We've been brought up." So, it's socialization. It's, yeah, it's totally socialization. Yeah, I think also, I mean, um, they're all socialized to think like, oh, the committee knows what's best. So, like, they're making these choices about who lives and dies based on like, how are they going to survive? Are they going to develop? Well? Are they going to be happy? Are we going to be able to take care of them? Straight so, up like, eugenics. They have, yeah, the, or like, well, they have those, uh, not just that. Like, they also have um, population control, right? Because there was a point in the book where the giver brought up one time, they thought, oh, maybe we should like, bring more like have more babies like bring more birth mothers or do something different and he the giver gave them the advice like don't do that because we'll run out of food i i yeah they're they are socialized to think that these decisions are being made like in the interest of those people as well as the community as a whole my unanswered questions are you ready for that yeah um oh yeah how many people are in these communities because yeah i was just confused i was like you can get around everywhere on bikes but and apparently adding a third more people would cause food shortages. But there's no, like... But I imagine that there were, like, many other communities that lived outside of this that they were just, like, not aware of. Or maybe they were aware of but chose not to acknowledge. Yeah, I, I was confused because the book talked a lot about how, oh, we went on a field trip to see another community and, like, play with those kids and they had different rules. Like, I don't want to question the mechanics of memory sharing too much because obviously that's just a device that has to exist in the story for it to work. But how... Did everybody else lose their memories? <laughs> like, if there's... Because it's implied that only people with pale eyes are the only ones with this power to share, transfer memories. Oh, I totally missed that. Yeah, on oh, the movie, I think it's like a birthmark. But I'm... I'm confused. Because, like, it, 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 when the community started, they didn't all have that trait. So how did all the memories get into the first receiver? <laughs> And also, how the heck do they have, how do they have all the memories of before? Where are cell phones? Why don't they exist? I know these are all very, like, pedantic. I was just like... Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, so if you don't have any... If we've answered every single question you've ever had, we can move on to book recommendations. I read this one, I think it was last year... And it's called Individutopia by Joss Sheldon. And this one was another one where it was set in some dystopian... And it it also gave me, like, Black Mirror vibes. Because it's set on this main character, Renee. And have you ever seen Black Mirror? Just the first episode. Oh, man. The first episode is never a good introduction to the series. Yeah, and I was like, I'm not watching the rest of this. No, you have to. You have to watch the rest because they're not all like that. None of them nope. really, the first one is just like super weird and it's just like weeds out like the haters. But um, Renee lives in a world where each person lives in a pod and anything they do costs money. And then they have to go and work to earn money and they have a screen that's like embedded in her eyeball 
of showing her how much debt she has, how much money she's earned, how many steps she's taken. And then she decides to break that device and she looks all around her in this world, which used to be this very like happy, cheery utopia. And she realizes she's living in like a garbage town. And then she goes on this huge adventure. And it was, I would say it's in the same vein as The Giver in terms of entertainment. Like it's a simple storyline. The text is really big on the page, but it's simple and entertaining. And so I would recommend that. So that's my book recommendation. And Laura, you have nothing. I don't read dystopians, actually. I've looked at my Goodreads and I haven't read any dystopian novels since high school, actually. So I don't have anything based on the same genre. Okay, I have one that's, that I have a recommendation that may not make sense when you look at it on the surface. Um, so it's The Ventriloquists by E.R. Ramzapur. It's a World War II historical fiction novel. It's about... There's this mainstream newspaper, but that only publishes propaganda, but it's the only one people are feel safe enough to buy under the Nazi regime. Um, so these people in the resistance, they decide they're going to print a fake version of the mainstream paper. Um, and just fill it with like tons of parodies and like satire and stuff. And they, they do put a lot of other people at risk for their decisions, just like Jonas did. Oh, wow. So what are you currently reading? Um, I'm reading The Pillars of the Earth by Ken Follett. It's about the process of building a cathedral um, in the 12th century. Yeah. Um, I actually found it through a video game. So the, the whole plot was turned into um, a visual novel. And the visual novel, it's like a really fun game. Um, if you like point and click visual novels where like you can't really fail at progressing along the story. What are you reading, Ellie? I am reading a book called Life After Life by Kate Atkinson. And I was recommended this book by my fiction professor because I'm writing a fiction piece about reincarnation. You read it, Laura. Um, and it's about this woman who keeps dying, but then she, I guess like the clock resets and she just gets reincarnated back to the moment right before she was going to die, but instead she doesn't die and she just continues living. But she has all the memories of like dying and then coming back. But it's her life leading up to World War Two. So I guess if you like historical fictions and stuff like that, then I would recommend. Also, um, the, the narrator for the book that I'm listening to is British. So if you need some, some of those dulcet tones of literature, then I would recommend this one. <laughs> Otherwise... Maybe don't read this one. But what what have you finished reading during this time of quarantine? Last time I was reading Undead Girl Gang by Lily Anderson. Um, and let me think, let me think. I th I liked the ending a lot in that one. Um, since then I've finished reading Pachinko, Trail of Lightning, and Storm of Locusts. Got it, got it. Mm -hmm. um, I think the last time, since then, I have read two more graphic novels. So I read Miss Marvel Volume 1 and then The Totally Awesome Hulk Volume 1 Showtime. Uh, and that's by Greg Pak and the other one was um, Willow G. Wilson. I'd recommend both. Um, I finished We Were Eight Years in Power, which according to my Goodreads has been a book I've been trying to finish since September of tw 2018. So I finally finished two years later, yeah, for me. <laughs> And then the only other book that I would full-heartedly recommend that I did read is Indian Horse by Richard Wagamese. And also on book on Goodreads, normally I don't rate books because I'm I just don't have a lot of strong opinions. But this one I rated five stars because I actually really liked it, and I was surprised that I liked it because it's kind of like a sports motivation story mixed in with 
and it's fiction, um, mixed in with the this life of a Native American boy who is taken from his home and put in one of those, like, re-education Native American schools. You know, the ones that, like, abuse all of their kids and it's really sad. Um, and then he finds solace in playing ice hockey. And so you hear about this journey. And I actually read it versus listening to it. So I'm, it's just, I'm proud of myself. I'm going to pat myself on the back for that one. That is, that's it for this episode. So if you think that you liked what you heard, you can go ahead and email us at readingnotreading at gmail.com. If you think you liked what you heard, you'd be right. Yeah, you are correct because you do. You love what you heard. Um, So our email is, it's R-E-A-D-I-N-G-N-O-T-R-E-A-I-D. God damn. (laughs) It is. Our email is spelled R-E-A-D-I-N-G-N-O-T-R-E-A-D-I-N-G at gmail.com. Thank you, Laura. You're welcome. It's fabulous. Um, And join us at the end of next month when hopefully, I don't know, we'll see if quarantine's still going on. I suspect it will be, but I hope not. Mine will be. (laughs) Next episode, when we read The Westing Game by Ellen Raskin. Woo! Okay, I'm going to end this sucker right now. Thank you.